You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Tuesday, 31 January, local balance for trade due this afternoon, expected positive but way off those 50 billion rand highs of 2021. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Carmen Meperani from Sunlam Investments, uh, the PEPCO update, which I thought was fairly good considering they all cash, uh, and uh, CAPCO updates and dividends, which uh, the market certainly liked. Lauren Cooper from BlackRock, the risks of recession in equity markets uh, and them they're preferring emerging markets over developed um, and Dean Krikaba, uh, Chairman and Founding Partner, Convergence Partners, they closed a 5 billion rand digital infrastructure fund. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Omnia breaks ground on phase two of a large solar plant. It will be adding 11,000 solar panels over six and a half hectares at its Sasselberg operations. Business day, market not satisfied with NAMPAC's smaller rights offer. Packaging group slumps after it reduced the size of its proposed offer to no more than one and a half billion. That down from two billion, but the stock down 13%. Morning markets, uh, US was red, S&P down 1.3%, NASDAQ off 2.1%. Asia mixed, Sydney up a tenth of a percent, and Tokyo down a couple of points, 0.01%. Commodities mixed overnight, although not much movement. Gold, 1,939. Brent, 85.25, which is a bit weaker. Platinum, 1,015. Palladium, 1,634. Rand, 17.41. Bitcoin, 22,000. 800 10 cent off 2.8 percent in the hong kong lunch break and top 40 opening call looking for about 580 points to the red that is 0.8 percent down money web now on the money also available on podcast Chatting now with uh, Carmen Meperani, Portfolio Manager, Sunlam Investments. Carmen, appreciate the early morning. The PEPCO update, i got to say, I thought it was, it was really good. I mean, I, the Lewis one from Friday had showed credit increasing markedly. PEP, of course, is more cash, but it seems that the lower end of, 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 of uh, clothing retail is, is doing okay. A bit of a mixed bag, I think, especially when you compare to, um, it's probably as close to compared to the, at the moment in the group, um, Mr. Price and, and their power mm. fashion that they have. But I think the concern here definitely has been a marked decline in terms of volumes. So the number of units that are being pushed out are reduced. Um, adding on to that, for both uh, Mr. Price and Pepco, we are seeing inflation at sort of the mid uh, single digit mm-hmm. uh, increase. So Pepco came out at about 5%. But when you compare that to Fushini and Truers, um, those guys were coming at the double-digit inflation numbers. So able to push the uh, sort of increase in underlying costs over to the consumer, whereas the lower uh, or the discount offering and value offering aren't able to do that. So I think a lot of the concern came from the fact that the volumes were down. They did um, note or, or guide us that Ackerman's uh, merchandise mix was also a problem. So that was definitely a, a, a headwind for them. Um, but having said that, the guidance will be more positive than any of the other retailers that I've seen. 
largely fueled by the back-to-school buying in January, mm-hmm. um, but still remain cautious, as most of the retailers saying load shedding is, is an issue. It is uh, impacting the uh, footfall and the ability to trade as per normal. So a little bit of a mixed bag, um, but I did see the share price ended up marginally up yesterday. Share price was margin. Yeah, one stock that did a, a whole lot better, Capital and Counties, Capco. Uh, tra- I mean, th- this is a stock that ever since Brexit, it seems to have been in free fall. It was what, way above 100 and then Brexit and then uh, pandemics and everything else. But a, a, a good looking update. Uh, uh, I mean, the, 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 the massive discount net asset value, balance sheet looking okay, debt not too bad. And of course, uh, announcing a dividend. And I mean, they own Covent Garden, which is you know, got to be one of the best assets in the world. Absolutely, I think that's the saving grace for them. Um, you know, this this merger that is on the cards, waiting for approval mm-hmm. with Shaftesbury, will give them sort of a portfolio um, that's focused on London West End. I mean, who doesn't know about London yeah. West End, right? So, um, I think in terms of this update, largely saying that the uh, tourism over the festive season was the big driver. So, their occupants um, had significant increase in turnover. Uh, specifically on the Shaftesbury side, um, even saying that it's above pre-pandemic levels. So a bit of a surprise when you consider that, um, you know, we've seen in the UK, the consumer under significant pressure, uh, etc. So that that was a bit surprising. Having said that, as you've mentioned, a lot, under a lot of pressure. Um, so this is sort of a reprieve in terms of, you know, maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and then a quick question on, on NAMPAC. I mean, the market didn't like the update. They've reduced the size of their rights issue from two to one and a half billion. I've got to say, I liked the level of detail in the update, but I didn't like what I was reading in it. <laughs> so a lot of concern on the rights issue, and I think that's probably why they gave as much detail, because the market has been a bit confused about what the actual strategy is going to be, or rather the magnitude of the rights issue specifically due to the pressure on the balance sheet at the moment um, and needing to refinance by the end of March. So um, you remember a few weeks ago that they they announced they were going to do a rights issue. They pulled back a little bit mm-hmm. and they've come back again and said this is the actual number. So I think that's why there was that much detail, just to sort of try to allay some fears. Um, but I think the high, the high inflation environment in the rest of Africa has basically just annihilated that um, their profit profit making ability so so that's d- definitely an overhang but I mean for stock that traded at over 15 rand at one point to what is it at now almost below one rand yeah uh, or below one rand it's yeah it's a phenomenal free fall that's happened yeah uh, 2014 trading almost 50 bucks 98 cents yesterday common Mepoani, portfolio manager Sunlam investments appreciate the early morning hear that nothing your money can do more when it blocks out the noise as hard as it is these days when you invest in the standler balanced cautious fund we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation beating returns through market cycles invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager MoneyWeb now on the money.
I'm chatting with Laura Cooper, a Senior Macro Investment Specialist for ETF and Index Investments within Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh, she, of course, from BlackRock. Laura, I appreciate the time today. You and your colleagues at BlackRock, you're talking around a, a new macroeconomic regime in 2023. My sense is a big part of that is probably the, the, the greater volatility as we see uh, inflation and sharper growth trade-off and an unlikely soft landing. Well, yes, and thank you so much for having me on today. Well, certainly that is our base case in the sense that we have seen this prolonged period of what we call the great moderation. Mm. So four decades where inflation, volatility in the markets was fairly contained. And now we are in a new market regime that is going to be dominated by a higher inflation backdrop. So that really suggests that investors need to have a new type of investment playbook in order to navigate this volatile market regime. And you make the point, you know, economic soft landing unlikely. I mean, the, the, the debate around recession seems to have moved away from will there or won't there be a recession to how bad will it be? Yes, and that's exactly the case. And I think it's differentiated based on where we're looking. So if we look, for example, in Europe, the risks of no recession have actually risen because we did have quite a milder than expected winter season that has curtailed some of the gas prices. But we think that this is going to be very difficult to avoid soft landing because we are seeing central banks tighten policy rates to quite restrictive levels. And we do think that will be sufficient to induce recessions in both Europe and the U.S. And so we think, given this elevated inflation environment, they're not going to really ease policy anytime soon. So getting that soft landing will be quite challenging. And that plays into, and we mentioned it up front, around, around volatility, but then, of course, directly into, into equity valuations um, and, and, and potentially uh, uh, more downside. I mean, some of those, those earnings estimates might be, might be overly optimistic. And that is our view in the sense that if we think about equity markets right now, they're not accurately pricing in the economic damage that we think is going to come through this year sessions across developed market economies. So if we look at earnings estimates, as you mentioned, they do remain fairly positive. I mean, we have seen quite a bit of downgrades come through, but not accurately capturing what we expect to be recessions in Europe and the US. So we do think there's scope for further downgrades. And that does keep us quite cautious on overall equity positioning in advanced economies. Is that then, I mean, in a sense, almost underweight developed market equities? I mean, maybe some sector specific, but broadly underweight uh, developed markets. Yeah, that's exactly the case. It's really about taking a selective approach and being quite granular in your, in looking for those equity exposures. So there are some sectors that we think will have upside this year. So for example, energy. Mm. It was a strong outperformer last year. We do think that's going to persist this year because of structural supports from this ongoing imbalance of supply and demand. And as well, if we look at key sectors like financials, so notably European banks have yet to really benefit from this higher yield environment. So we do think that's going to have positive spillover effects. And as well as we've seen in equity market rallies in both emerging markets and Europe so far this year, this is in part due to the Chinese reopening coming in faster than expected. So it's positioning equity exposures to those sectors that are going to benefit from that Chinese growth. So basic resources, luxury, travel goods, and, and the like. 
And is that also then for, for, for emerging markets? I mean, if, if we're seeing some, some pressure in, in developed markets, is it emerging markets or is it more nuanced than that? Well, I think it's on a relative basis. We do mm. like emerging market equities over developed markets. And that's largely because they're further along in their tightening cycles. Most central banks have actually mm-hmm. paused or, or have scoped to ease their policy. And as well, a major headwind to emerging markets last year came from the dollar strength. And we do think that we're past the peak U.S. dollar. So that should provide another uh, pillar of support for emerging market stocks this year. And interestingly, if we look at positioning and how investor flows have shaped up over the past year, last year was actually a record year for emerging market equity inflows. And we are seeing that trend continue to persist so far this year. So we are seeing this ongoing rotation away from U.S. equities towards emerging market equities. We'll leave it there. That's Laura Cooper from BlackRock. Laura, really appreciate the time today. And that's our poll today on LinkedIn and Twitter. Laura, most definitely preferring uh, emerging markets over developed markets, making good points as to why. Uh, Do you agree with that take? What is your view? Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. Your money knows it's not just about the money. It's about your returns returning the favour and empowering people. Your money can do more to change the narrative. Beyond delivering consistent returns, investing in the Stanlip Kanisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlip.com forward slash more. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Dedin Kaba, he's chairman and founding partner at Convergence Partners. They just closed on their latest uh, digital digital infrastructure fund, $296 million. That's just over 5.1 billion rand. And Dili, appreciate the early morning time. A a, a giant fund, what sort of areas are you investing in? I mean, the one that obviously springs to mind is things such as fiber networks, uh, data centers, but I imagine there's a lot more to it. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much uh, for the invitation. Yeah, we closed the fund and, uh, you know, this is a Pan-African fund with uh, LPs from North America, Europe and Africa, both DFIs and commercial. And our focus area, I mean, is technology, TMT, so to say. And then we have been in it for the last 20 years investing in tech. And uh, as African investors, this is the region we understand, and this is the sector we understand. We really are an impact investor. And uh, for us, West Africa is very important. East Africa is very important, and Southern Africa is very important. Mm -hmm. And uh, critical is, as you know, we are 1.3 billion people today in Africa, and soon in the next 10 to 15 years will be 2 billion. These are young people in the main, 60% of them below the age of 30. They need connectivity. They need broadband at school. They need to be able to, you know, be part of the global digital community. They need to get into what three, into metaverse. So for us, building digital infrastructure is really the foundation, you know, for the continent. This is, as we have said, subsea fiber, land-based fiber, Basically, you know, data centers, edge data centers, you know, tier three, four data mm-hmm. centers, and coming up the software as a service layer 
and all the layers of technology to make sure that, you know, businesses can function well, both small, medium, and big, and also education, fintech, and generally life of people can be improved through technology. One of the critical factors for us is to make sure that, you know, the infrastructure we build contributes to, you know, the target towards net zero. And this is one of the, you know, fundamental principles as impact investor that environmental issues, social issues are addressed in the continent, in particular as we are working to close the digital divide. So that's really the trust of what we are all about. I mean, there are a number of interesting assets in the continent. You know, entrepreneurs are working very hard. As you have seen, the, the need of broadband as we were going through COVID-19. Courts needed broadband. Schools mm-hmm. needed broadband. Individuals working from home needed broadband. So this is something that is a right that people need to have. I take your point in that absolutely. I mean, broadband is it, it, it's a right. It's, it's you know maybe a, a, a food shelter uh, power ahead of it, but then broadband comes in. And and looking at at, at some of your your partners, I mean, you got Seacom there, you got Cartrack, Vuma. I mean, brands that we know down here in in South Africa. Are, are you are you sort of more partnering with the, the the sort of mature businesses, perhaps looking to grow and expand, or are you also doing some sort of smaller? And I'm thinking maybe sort of seed, almost startup investments as well no no this is more we are at private equity growth mm-hmm. funds more matured companies yes we have an eye in looking at companies as they develop i mean you know we look at them and uh, we really monitor for instance the companies that are being funded by our you know community which are vc based companies Mm-hmm. Right, but we take them as they exit series B or C, depending how you measure them. Yeah. And, and so I, I get you. That makes perfect sense. And, and you're coming in as that as that as that private equity. Are, are you coming in sort of yeah. as as passive investments, or are you sort of bringing skill sets to a lot of private equity we, teams? We, we bring we, more. The reason why we are a sector focus, mm-hmm. basically, we are not a generic investor. We focus in technology because we bring to our partners that deep skill in technology, in investment to support the investing companies that we have identified. So that is why we chose a sector that we have capability and deep skills and knowledge in it rather than to invest in real estate or, mm-hmm. or basically mining and uh, technology and health. I mean, we opted for a model that basically focuses more in a single sector and be able to have deeper skill in supporting companies that we have identified and that we invest in them. I get you, and, and, and becoming the, the sort of expert private equity in, in, in that particular niche. Exactly. We will leave that exactly. there. Sandeed Nkaba, uh, he is the chairman and founding partner at Convergence Partners. That's it for today. We were chatting yesterday with Redefined Properties on the recovery in, in foot traffic and spending at malls. I mean, malls certainly seem to be back. Uh, maybe foot traffic not quite there, but revenue back to pre-pandemic. And that's back to the being a little more careful. Petrol's expensive. You don't want to do too many trips to the mall. You're going to get it all at one time. We asked you, 
Did you notice malls were busier over the holiday season? Almost half of you said most definitely. And that was, I mean, I, I tried to stay away from the large ones, but that was kind of my experience as well. Uh, a third of you said that you just avoid malls altogether. Uh, and the rest of you, which was a, a, just under a fifth, were saying, nope, you didn't really see much extra traffic. Uh, have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobochle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow, talking tax-efficient retirement savings. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.